guys? How you guys feeling? I know it's 9 a.m., but uh, it's going to be a good morning. It's already a good morning, actually. And uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, anyone glad to be in God's house on a Sunday morning? I mean, it's, it's a good place to be. But um, anyways, I'm really excited to be here. And uh, it's Palm Sunday, so happy Palm Sunday to all of you guys. And, uh, and so uh, that's actually what I'm going to be speaking about uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to look at a grouping of scripture in, in, uh, you know, in the Bible that talks about uh, what we call the triumphal entry, where Jesus kind of comes on the scene. It's where, he kinda, it's where he comes out as like the Savior and the King, right? And, and, uh, and it's like five days before a Good Friday. And so uh, we're going to look at this and kind of just unpack a bunch of scripture and, and just uh, tackle a couple of things. It's kind of a twofold message here. And as we're talking about, uh, number one, I guess the main thing that I want you to take away uh, from this message is, is to realize that, that Jesus is a worthy king and he's worthy to be served and to, and to worship. And, uh, but kind of along with that is like, well, how do, how do we maintain that kind of heart when there are so many times where our expectations of God aren't met and it changes our attitude towards him? And, and uh, we'll look at uh, what the scripture says about it and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. Is that good? Cool. Well, can I share a story with you guys before we start? You guys like stories? I, I like to tell stories. I have a lot of good stories. I like to make a joke that I have the spiritual gift of embarrassment um, because if you've known me for a long time, um, you know there's just a lot of weird things that just, I feel like God did on purpose so that I would have stories to tell later on. Actually, I'm looking at Austin Kentrell who knocked me out at one of our mini church outings because I was going to ruin the, the, uh, the editing to Star Wars. He tackled me and knocked me out. That was, thank you for cracking my rib that day. Um, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, I have a lot of stories, and this one's actually not an embarrassing one, and it, does, it is relevant to the message. Uh, but it's something that I realized, uh, and this just happened maybe like a couple weeks ago, but uh, I've been trying to take back a lot of my recreation time because I've realized it has a lot of value. And uh, it helps me to kind of stay sane and not let, you know, the pressures of, you know, my life and the responsibilities weigh on me. And so I started to skate again because I haven't skated since I was like in... I don't know, high school and stuff like that. And I uh, ordered a new surfboard. Uh, one of my leaders, Bryson Tokoro, uh, like hooked it up, allowing me to order one from his cousin, Wade. So I'm about to get in the water, uh, you know, pretty soon. And I've been fishing a lot too. And, and we've been going to this one young guy's house in the youth because he lives right on the bay, right? And uh, so we'll like, we'll walk out his pontoon, like a little flat party boat. We'll like walk it out to like the drop off where it's like really deep and we just cast off and stuff. And, and um so we've been doing that a lot, and I was driving home from work one day, like, like around like six, seven, I don't remember what time it was, and then uh, I was about to get on the freeway, and, and I get a phone call, and he says, hey, Brad, like, I just heard a huge splash in the bay, and I look out, and there's something big just kind of floating there um, in the bay, and I want to figure out what it is, and so in that moment, I had to make a decision, and I was like, okay, is this worth it? Is it worth it to turn around right now and go all the way to Kahalu just to find out what this is, and I, I sat there, and I thought, I was like, Yes. So, <laughs> so, so I turn around and I drive all the way back and I park outside his house and, and, and I, I use the binoculars and I can't tell what it is. So I'm like, I need, I need to know. Like my curiosity is just like at the peak at this point. And um, so we try to do it, like we try to push out the boat, but then one of our kids like steps on something and like, uh, like a piece of coral breaks off in his foot. He had to go to the ER and everything. Like he got all like his foot swelled up and everything. So we're like, okay, let's try not to do the boat thing then. And it's high tide, like it's stormy conditions, there's onshore winds, and like, and this thing was right in the channel by the drop-off. So I'm like, that's dangerous. You know, I'm just thinking like 50 billion sharks, especially if there's like, if it's a dead something, you know what I mean? So, but I was interested, so I was like, it's worth it, it's worth the risk. And so um, 
I, the only thing we had was this surfboard, and uh, well, we had like to keep the story short. There's a surfboard, and it was like really junk, and like I mean, peeling with fiberglass, and so. I grab it and I get in the water and I start paddling, you know, in, in these conditions and I'm getting like, you know, itchy stomach, so the fiberglass is in my stomach and I'm just like, no, this is worth it. And like, <laughs> I get out to the, like, the, I, I'm in the channel, it's high tide, it's just like, you know, whatever, and, and I get close to it and it turns out to be three dead turtles piled on each other. I, I know, it's so sad. And, um, and it's and it just three dead turtles, and I instantly flip out, because I'm like, okay, I'm right by the drop-off, it's high tide, the channel's right here, there's guaranteed sharks just waiting for a free snack right here. So, like, I whip my board around, I start paddling away, and before I left, I was like, hey, if I wave to you guys, that means it's all fine, it's not anything crazy, no need to come out here and ch- check it out. So, like, I turn around, and then a jellyfish is on my arm, because I just feel it's burning, I'm like, what is that? And there's this jellyfish wrapped on my arm, and I'm, and I'm freaking out, and I'm like, I'm gonna die. I'm going to die. So I start waving to them like, help. But then I forgot that that was the signal for don't come. So they're just like, okay, I'm not coming. And uh, I was like, oh boy. And uh, I paddled back. And, and what I realized in that situation is that, um, that each of us individually has, this, has a systematic way of determining in our hearts what is, what is of worth. You know, things that are worthy of our time, worthy of our money, worthy of giving to. You know, what is, what is worth uh, living for and sacrificing for? What is, what is worth dying for? We each, in our own hearts, have a way of determining this for ourselves. Like, there's that one saying that one man's trash is another man's treasure. Why? Because... I value stuff different than the next person does, and the same goes for you. And we each have a way of, like, we, we can stop and think about something and be like, is this worth it? No. Is this worth it? Yes. And we determine for ourselves. And, and really the question I have for you is, well, in your life, what, what, is, what is worthy of your time and, and your money and, and all those things? What is worth living for? What's worth dying for? And uh, the way I see it, the, the picture I see is, like, we each have a throne in our heart, right? Like, there's this, this, this is like, beautiful throne in our heart. And we each choose what we place on that throne, and a lot of times, whatever we place on that throne usually grabs our attention and, and, and takes most of our attention and takes most of, you know, uh, what we do and, and, and it determines what we spend our time and our money on. And the thing is this, is a lot of times we place the wrong things on that throne. You know, sometimes we, uh, uh, we place ourselves on that throne and all we do is live to serve ourselves. You know, sometimes... Uh, we, I mean, uh, we place, um, like, another person on that throne, and we just are so focused and infatuated with this one person, or maybe it's a relationship, or, or maybe a desired relationship that hasn't happened yet, you know, like, for all the stalkers out there, I'm just kidding, but, uh, you know, like, but some, I mean, sometimes it's our career, or it's our reputation, or, or, I mean, sometimes it's our Facebook account, or our Instagram account, or whatever it is, or, you know, and, and a lot of times we place things on there, and it, it almost determines what we're going to do with our life, and, and the question really is this, uh, this morning, is do you see Jesus as worthy to sit on that throne in your heart? And if the answer is yes, then, then my next question is, well, how is your heart going to respond to that? What are you going to do? If you, if you determine to yourself, yeah, yeah, Jesus is worthy of sitting on that throne in my heart. And, uh, and so again, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about uh, unmet expectations and all that has to go with it. And uh, is that good? All right. Let me just pray real quick before we get started. Lord, I just want to thank you just for this morning and each person that could make it here. Lord, we just ask in, in, in short words, Lord, that you would just allow your word to come to life. Uh, Lord, that we wouldn't uh, tune it out, Lord, but that we would hear it, that we would receive it, and it would speak encouragement and life to us, Lord. We thank you for it and just pray that this morning you would meet us here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are you guys ready to hear the word of God? All right. I'm ready to give it, I guess. No, nah, I don't guess. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we're only looking at Matthew chapter 21. 
Uh, this is where we're going to uh, look at this grouping of scripture is basically the historical account of this, this moment in time, which we call the triumphal entry. By the way, this is a Palm Sunday message. So this is a, we're taking a break from like the Zesty series. So uh, how many of you guys been enjoying the Zesty series? I mean, I like getting zesty. It's just really funny, too, when I first heard Pastor Carl say that, like, we got to get zesty. And I was just like, I was laughing. But I was like, yeah, I looked, I, thinking about what it means, I was like, yeah, I want to be zesty. You know what I mean? So everywhere I go, I'm trying to be, trying to zest it up. Um, Sorry. Every time I like shake it, like people just like laugh, and I tend to do that a lot when I think about things. Anyways, Matthew chapter 21, talking about uh, the triumphal entry, and uh, let me, I'll just read it to you. And so it says, uh, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt uh, beside it. Untie them and bring them to, to me. Uh, if anyone asks uh, what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This uh, took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. When I first read that when I was like younger, I thought it meant like Jesus was riding a donkey that was riding a donkey, and it blew my mind. <laughs> That's not what it says. Uh, it's, just, it's just giving more emphasis. There you go. Um, it continues, and it says, The two disciples did as Jesus commanded, and they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. Uh, Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked, and they, the crowds replied, well, that's Jesus, uh, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so let me give you some background information here so you can understand the situation as, as best as possible. So basically, here's this people, right? And they're going through this like hard time in life. And, and so it was prophesied. So this prophet comes and says, hey, don't worry, like a, a guy's going to come. He's going to be riding on a donkey and he's going to like, you know, deliver you from this whole mess. And uh, so they're just like, yes! And they're like excited. You know, they're just like, and they're like, I can't wait for this guy to come and free us and, and help us out and stuff. And so they're just sitting in suspense. And finally the day comes, and they're like, here he comes. He's riding on a donkey, just like he said. And so what do they do? They're like, you know, let's, let's make like a king's entrance for him. Let's welcome him. We're, we're just so stoked that he's here. He's going he's gonna to deliver us from, you know, whatever our, our problem is. And so they start like throwing their clothes on the ground, like just making like a runway, like a, you know, their own personal like red carpet. And uh, they're just like, it needs more. Let's cut branches down and let's throw branches down. So they start cutting branches and throwing it down. And, and then as he's coming down, they're just like, you know, shouting and praising. And, and they're just pretty much, I mean, they're just, they're excited. They're like, the day, this is the day. He's come to save us. And, um, and, and so basically Jesus comes and he's riding on the donkey and they all welcome him. And, and as I read commentaries on, this, on these groupings of scripture, it said that within five days, uh, you know, the, the people's attitude changed though. So Here's day one. He's coming. He's on, he's on like the, he's on his donkey. He's riding, going through the whole thing. And they're just like, woo, bring on a champion. You know, they're just like, come on. And they're just excited. And in five days, they went, they went from fully praising Jesus to fully rejecting Jesus. And the question is, well, what happened? Because they didn't just like reject him. They actually like crucified him. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a pretty drastic change in attitude, if you, you know, if you ask me. 
And, uh, and so the question is, well, what happened? And, and the thing is this, is that they were expecting someone to come and deliver them from, uh, they wanted like, to be led in a revolt against Rome. They're like, we don't, we don't like what Rome's doing to us. We need our, you know, that person to come and deliver us from Rome. And, and so they're expecting like this person was going to come and then he was going to set them free from Rome. And, and they're like, okay, he's going to come and he's going to pick up a sword. He's going to strap on some armor and he's going to jump on a valiant steed and we're going to march to Rome and stick it to them. But then they got Jesus. So, you know, like, if we, okay, let me, let me paint this in pictures that you know, we'll understand. Like, they were expecting William Wallace to, like, you know, come. And then they got, like, like Paul McCartney. You know, just like, that's, that's, that's basically what happened. They're just like, we wanted a warrior, and we got a, we got a hippie. And it's like, because Jesus came, and he's like, I'll, I didn't come to solve your problems with violence and force and, and, and all that. I came to solve it with, with love and peace and understanding. And, and so immediately, when they heard that, and, and their expectations weren't met, their attitudes it changed. They went from fully praising Jesus to fully rejecting Jesus. And the thing is this, is that that same problem is still present in our own lives to this day, that we all have unmet expectations. I mean, we can all uh, imagine a time where, uh, where we thought one thing and Jesus kind of blew our mind and did it a different way. Like, you know, those moments that just cause you confusion and frustration and causes you to call God into question. You know, like the times where you're just like, why God? Why would you do this? Or how, how could you let this happen? Or, or why did so-and-so have to go so early? Or I thought you promised this. Or I thought you came to do this. And you start calling God into question and, and, and challenging the plans and, and the understanding and, and the way that God does things. And, and why? is because our expectations were met. And in the same way, it, it changes our attitude towards God, that we can move from fully praising God one day. And it takes one instance where we experience something that challenges our faith and we're on the opposite end of the spectrum and we're rejecting him or, or not, we're, we're, we're refusing to listen to him or to allow him to be a part of our lives. And so the question is, is well, how do we as, as Christ followers hold on to faith when those kind of situations arise? Because those, those situations arise all the time. You know what I mean? I think about, um, so I, I'm the youth pastor here, right? So I oversee all the junior high and high school. And there is so many, I think probably not a night goes by where I don't get text messages in the middle of the night just about questions about God, which is, I guess is cool. But it's like, kids have no boundaries. It's like 9 a.m., like 9 p.m., they'll, they'll text me. 10 p.m., they'll text me. 11, 12, 1 a.m., no boundaries, I tell you. But that's my job. So I wake up and I try to answer their questions as coherently as possible. And, um, and I remember like uh, some people, like, they'll ask me questions like, or they'll say like, oh, Pastor Brad, well, I lost so-and-so in my family. And, um, you know, why would God let that happen? Or I remember my boss that I used to work for in, like, this Japanese, like, Okazuya place. I was really ghetto. He's just, he, he said, like, um, it was. It was really ghetto. And, um, and uh, he said, Brad, my niece died when she was such and such age. Why did she die? She was innocent. She didn't hurt anybody. If your God's a good God, why would he let that happen? And uh, people would even, like, quote scripture to me, like, God says he would do this and look at this. Does that look like it lines up? And they're just confused and they're frustrated because what they expected of God wasn't met. What they thought God would do, they didn't see happening. And their attitude changed about God. And uh, the question is, is, how do we hold on to God in those kinds of situations? Because it's not, I mean, like, I, I imagine when we, like, we lose loved ones or uh, imagine if, like, your prayers go unanswered. Like, how frustrating is that? Like, you pray for something over, and in the Bible it says you, if you pray for it, if you ask, you shall receive. And there's so many scriptures that say that, but then when we pray, sometimes there's just something, there's a disconnect, and there's something missing, and it's frustrating, confusing. God, why, why do I keep praying for this and not receiving it? Or, or maybe God answers it in a different way than you expect. 
Or maybe there's plans that you had and, and, and the plans failed and you're like, God, like, especially if you feel like God put those plans in your heart and then they fail and you're like, God, I thought we had, I thought we had plans. I thought we were supposed to do this. And, or like when, when there's a lack of provision in your life, like, God, I, I needed this and you didn't provide it. And we call them into question. And uh, this is the thing. is like, it seems that the, the more that, we, uh, that our expectations aren't met, the, the, the more trust that we lose in God or the more faith we lose in God. We, 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 we stop trusting him. We stop believing in him. We stop putting our money on him rather than the problem. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and that's just our, our human tendency. It seems that the, the less we understand of God and the less we know of God, the less we're willing to serve him and the less that we're willing to follow him. Let, let me, let me uh, paint it for you in a picture like this. Every year, um, you know, I, we take a, a, a team of youth to like Japan so we go to Machida, Tokyo. We stay at this uh, church called Evergreen Chapel. And we get to partner with the church and like, get into the school system and just talk to like, young, people, like, young ja- Japanese kids about God. And, and, um, and uh, so every year we have the first meeting and I invite the parents. Now, why do I do this? Because uh, parents want to know everything about this trip before they allow their kid to follow someone that looks like they're 14 years old. <laughs> and that's the truth. It's not easy looking this young. All right? It's, the struggle is real. And um, I'm not lying. And um, so we have that meeting, and, and I spell out every single part of this mission trip. So I, I, I say, like, well, this is where we're going to be staying. This is the airlines that we're going to be flying on. This is how much money uh, we're going to have to fundraise. This is how we're going to fundraise. This is where all the money is going to be divided into. You know, this is the pastor. This is the program that we're going to be doing. This is, you know, this, that. And I, and I spell out everything. Why? Because... Parents need to know 100% of the information before they trust uh, letting their kid fly to another country with someone like this. <laughs> you know, but, but it's true. Like, even, even aside from that, like, we, we want to give them security and, and, and peace of mind that their kid's going to be safe and doing something of value uh, when they go on this trip. But, but that's because that's the human condition. We as humans, we, we need, we, we, we like to feel like we have a control or a grasp on a situation before we fully step into it, right? That's just, that's just, that's our desired, uh, you know, I mean, circumstances. But a lot of times we, we uh, and I think most of the time, God calls us to take steps where we don't know where we're stepping, where we don't know what we're about to step into. And uh, I mean, that's why, that's where faith comes in, right? And uh, and that's the thing is, like, we have a hard time a lot of times trusting that in the situation, even though that we don't know what's happening, that we would trust in God that he still has the best in mind for us. You know, we have a hard time believing that and, and, and trusting in that. And uh, here's the problem, though. The problem with this is that our understand, like, all, all our, our expectations are based on such a small bit of knowledge and understanding of the universe and even just the world around us. You know what I mean? Like, I, I barely understand how most things work. Like, I, just, I don't even know how this cup is made, honestly. Like, I, I still don't even know how tea is made, I think. I'm pretty sure they just pick leaves, put it in a bag, and then you just dip it in your water, I think. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know anything. I mean, there's so many things I don't understand. And then, and then, and then it's funny that I, I tend to call God into question when I'm confused. Like, God, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way, God. You know what I mean? And, uh, I mean, let's look at Scripture. Let's look at what God says about this. And I'm going to uh, look at this really quick. But it, I'm going to give you a few verses. But in Isaiah 55, 9. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. 
And Psalms 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Think about that, 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 that phrase right there. His understanding has no limit. That, that means that he has like an IQ of like infinity. Like his IQ doesn't stop going up. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I keep saying, I, I don't know how the IQ thing works, but like I'm somewhere like probably around 40 or 50 if I had to guess. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what's a high IQ or what's a low IQ. Is that pretty low? That might be, it might be accurate. It might, I don't know. I don't know. But think about that verse, that his, his understanding has no limit. Like, when there's a limit to understanding, he goes beyond it. it there's, just, there's no limit. He just understands everything. Why? I mean, okay, think about the story Job. And I love the story Job because it's basically the movie Bruce Almighty in the Bible. Basically. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty convinced that the writers of that movie like, read this verse in the Bible and just like, I mean, the whole story, and they're just like, that's a movie right there. Let's get Jim Carrey to be Job, and we'll just call him Bruce. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I really feel like that. But basically, you have this guy who's, uh, this guy named Job, and he's, and he's living his life, and he's doing it, like, righteously. He's doing it the way it's supposed to be done. He's, he's having faith in God. He has integrity. He's trusting in him, and he's living his life. And, and, you know, just like any other human, he would expect that, hey, I'm doing it the way that God, you know, asked me to do it, so he's going to take care of me. That's, that's the basic human logic right there. And what happens? You know, he's like, okay, I'm doing, you know, I'm, I've been living my life for God, so it's going to take care of me. And instead, what did he get? God pretty much took everything from him. You know what I mean? Like, instead of giving everything he needed, he took everything. And so what happens? It's a classic case of, I didn't get what I expected, so uh, I'm, my attitude changes towards God. And so he starts calling God into question. And he does exactly what Bruce does. He's like, God, you're not doing your job. And that's basically what he says. And he just starts complaining. And there's all these verses about, like, Job complaining and stuff like that. Pretty funny. And then um, and it sounds exactly like Bruce Almighty. And then, and then what happens is, is pretty much God responds exactly the way that Morgan Freeman responds. And, and he's just like, well, <laughs> well, if you look at the verse, actually, it's in uh, what verse is this? Job chapter 38, verse 4. And he says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so well. He's basically like, you, you think you can do my job better? Then you can do it. You know what I mean? It's like, and, he's just, and he just pretty much lays it out there. He's like, Job, uh, you're, you're complaining about the way I do things. Let me ask you a quick question. Um, where were you again when I created the whole universe? Like when I just, I breathed stars out and they flew into the sky and like when I was just like made water happen and like all the animals and stuff and like I created you, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's just like, where were you at that time? Oh, that's right. You weren't even alive yet. And like, and so he's just like making a point like, like, Job, trust me. Like, I created this place. I created you. I have a plan. Have you forgotten the God that you serve? Have you forgotten the king that you worship? Have you forgotten who I am? And like, but that's the thing is we do that all the time. We forget who he is. We forget what he's already done. And can I tell you this is a truth and a fact right here is that uh, God's goodness and his glory and, and his worthiness is not determined by what you see around you and the way you perceive the life around you. It's based on who he is and what he's done, if I can say that. Because here's the truth. Okay, this, this, this next point, I put it in bold on my, on my uh, notes because... Uh, I was sitting in a coffee shop studying for this. Like, so when I study, I let God preach to me so I can preach to you guys. That's just how I do it. I'm just like, okay, God, tell me. Tell me what your message is so I can just deliver the message. And um, like, he put this in my mind. And it was just one of those times, like, one thing you should know about me is like, when I get excited about something, I, I usually make like Michael Jackson-esque noises. So I'm just like, woo! I'm just like, yeah! And like, I literally do that. Like, I, I, was, I was in Chad Lewis and I did that. I was just like, dang, that's good, God. And like, or like when I walked into the new men's bathroom, anybody, come on, that men's bathroom is nice. I, I walked in there on Friday night for the first time, and I was just like, woo, 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 
Whoop. Like I literally did that. I'm not even sure if anyone was in there. Someone might have been in there. I didn't check, but I was excited. That was a nice place. But same reaction when I when I uh, read uh, when I when God like really spoke this to me. And, and this is what it is. And if, there, if you're gonna write anything down of this whole thing, write this thing down because this this will change the way you you like react in situations. But basically, what what, what God spoke to me was that many times when He's not. Um, meeting your expectations, he's actually exceeding them in ways that you have yet to see. I'm going to say that again a little bit slower because I talk really fast. But um, a lot of times when God's not meeting your expectations, he's usually exceeding them in ways that you have yet to see. Now you think about that, and, and every generation has struggled with that, that, the, the idea of trusting God in the middle. I mean, it's always easy in hindsight to be like, should have trusted in God, <laughs> He had me, you know, he, he, was, he was always there, you know, it's like, and, and a lot of times when I read like stories in the Bible and, and I'm like, and I almost giggle to myself because I'm like reading it and I'm just like, silly people, like, you know who God is and you serve him and then you get in this situation, you stop trusting him and I, I laugh at that. But then I look at my own life and I'm like, I do the exact same thing. <laughs> I know who God is. I know what he's promised. I, I know what he's already accomplished. I know that he hasn't failed me in the past, and, and the Bible says he's not going to start now. But how come, what, what is it about just being in a situation that we panic and become fearful and we stop trusting in God? And this is the thing. is, is uh, You guys remember like Steve Kelly? Like We watched the video of Steve Kelly. Uh, he's from like Virginia Beach. Well, he's actually from Australia, and then he pastors a church, and we watched that video of him. And I swear, like for three weeks after uh, that, we watched that video in church, like, all I could hear was, like, Steve Kelly impressions from everybody. But if he was here, he'd say, where is your faith? That's exactly what he'd say. That's exactly what he would say. You know, he's like, come on. Come on. Like, I just, I can't do it. It's really funny, though. I love it. There's other people that do it better. Whatever. Um, but seriously, what is it about it that being in this situation, we tend to lose faith because we tend to forget who God is. We tend to forget of what he's already accomplished. We tend to forget that he's actually a good king and a worthy king to serve and to follow and to worship. What is it about it? And, and, and we, we just tend to do that. And, and, uh, and that's the thing is when we expect something of God and, and he doesn't do it the way that we expect, we begin to call him into question. And, and what happens is like, we begin to determine in our hearts, is he worthy anymore? Like, is he worthy for me to follow? Like, oh, like he didn't do it that way. Ah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I, I can't, I can't do that. You know, and, and we start to take him off that throne in our heart and, and begin to replace it with other things. We start to live for other things and focus on other things. And, and, uh, you know, I, I want to kind of just, uh, I guess this, this, this story right here to kind of tie things together. But I, I, I have a dad. I mean, I guess that's obvious. I have a dad. That was a dumb, that was a dumb statement, but I do. It's a fact. And um, he's, an, he's an amazing guy. I love my dad. He's a, like, I adore my father. And, um, you know, he was a single father for a long time. And, uh, and so, like, growing up, it was me and my dad and my sister for an for for amount of time when I was a really young uh, kid. And uh, so we were like the three musketeers. You know, we did everything together. In the summers, you know, he, he taught us how to surf. I learned how to surf on a boogie board because I was so small. And it's just like, that was a surfboard for me. And like, he taught me how to surf at like White Plains and Barber's Point and stuff like that. And uh, he taught me like, just, I mean, how to, how to be a, a man, basically. And, uh, excuse me. And uh, so, I mean, and, and we had like, we had the whole like, uh, that whole nursery rhyme about the bears thing going on. You know what I mean? Like the, the you know, the porridge and the beds and stuff. We had that going on. Like we all slept in the same room. We had my, you know, my small bed. My sister's a little bit bigger bed. And we got Papa Bear's bed, you know, and we just, you know, we, we lived life. It was so good. And um, 
I love my dad. And, uh, I, and you know, he spent so much time trying to uh, provide for me and my sister and himself as a single father for a, a little while. And, and uh, he would tell me stories about how there was times where he was like just, just like, you know, going through it. Like he was just feeling the weight of his situation in life, just being a single father and going through the divorce and everything. And, and he'd be like, kind of just like breaking down in his room and crying. And uh, he said like, you know, three-year-old me would like waddle in, you know, all two foot of me would waddle in and like sit down with him and I would just pat him on the back and say, dad, it's gonna be okay. Like that's the relationship that we had. We're just like, you know, we're tight. And I remember as I grew up and he wasn't around sometimes, like he would, his job would take him to other countries for like six months at a time or he'd be deployed for nine months at a time. I began to hang out with my friends and kind of observe their, their dads and like just be like, wow, your dad's like shredded surfing. Like, well, your dads are all like tan and buff and they talk cool and they let you do whatever you want and like, Wow, that's a cool dad. And my, my expectations of what a father should be started to kind of morph and change. And uh, I remember one time, me and my two friends, when I was like in ninth grade, were sitting in my room working on our skateboards. Like we were, you know, like we were, we were trading out our bearings and stuff. Like we were like soaking them in WD-40 and then like, you know, like just, just cleansing everything, making it all nice, like doing little spray graphics on the bottom and like cutting little grip tape art into it and everything. We're just working on our boards and, t- and sharing sur- like surfing stories. And they'll be like, oh, like this one time I got like a one second barrel at Shore Breaks and it closed out on me. It was the best thing ever. And like, I was just like, yeah. And like, I started talking about like, yeah, when I was like this age, me and my dad were like surfing at, at you know, Barber's Point, which obviously isn't like the coolest spot ever. But like, that's where we were. And I started sharing the story. And when I was done, like my friends like kind of were silent. And then one of them said, Brad, your dad's a kook. And like, so I stopped at that moment. And I started thinking like, in my mind were images of what their fathers were and images of what my father was. And after I paused, I, I replied and I said, well, yeah, my dad's a kook. And what I didn't know was that my dad was outside the window working on something um, and heard the entire conversation. And uh, that night, he like, pulled me in, like, into, his, into the living room and like, we, he sat me down and he said, Brad, you know, and he just started off and he said, Brad, well, you know, I know I'm not the greatest surfer and I know I might, I might not be the most talented, um, but I do those things because I love to spend time with you. And he starts to just like, ex- express like, like how sorry he is that he couldn't measure up to the other dads that I saw. And, and uh, I was broken. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm a jerk. And I was just thinking, like, I'm the worst son in the world. And, and uh, you know what I realized is I had a weak expectation of what a father should be. And it caused me to turn my back on my greatest supporter, my biggest fan, the guy who provided for me, who taught me how to live life, who taught me to be a man of God, who, I mean, like, taught me, like, everything that I know and loved me and, and sacrificed so much for me to provide that I would have a good life. And I started to relate that to my own, like my, my relationship with Jesus. And I feel like a lot of us do that, is sometimes we have the wrong expectation of who God should be. And it causes us sometimes to turn our back on our greatest supporter, our biggest fan, the one who loves us the most, who provides for us, who sacrifices the most for us. See, the, the thing is this, is that Jesus is actually a good king. Like, it's not like we're just trying to like dress him up to make it like, oh, come on, totally serve him. Like, it's just, he's a good king. I mean, I think about this is like, I Googled like what makes a good king. Just, I don't know, Google's a pretty amazing thing. You like ask a question and it gives you several answers. Any question. And pictures. Sometimes videos. People, it's revolutionary. And so I Googled like what's a, what's a good king? And um, 
And uh, all this stuff was popping up, like, you know, Yahoo wiki answers or whatever. And then, like, people are, like, scholarly people are commenting, like, this is what makes a good king. And he's got to be noble, and he's got to do this. And, like, I was like, okay, that's cool, whatever. And I just turned it off. And then uh, I started just thinking. And basically, to me, it boiled down to just three things that made Jesus a good king to me is that he has all the power he needs to, to provide us with everything we need. He has all the understanding and knowledge he needs to provide us with everything we need. And, and most importantly, he has a heart that wants to give us everything that we need. And, like, okay, I think about, phys- like, think about like, physical kings, like, of earth. Like, every time I watch a movie, and this might have just tainted my own view of, like, kings and stuff like that. But all the time, like, the king's all the way in the back, uh, like, during a battle. And, like, he has all his, like, horses and men in front of him. And he's just like, go, my pawns, and sacrifice yourselves. <laughs> And then there's like three wounded enemies left, in the, and then he's like, finally, he, he like gallops in. He's like, ah! And then he like Captain Morgan's and takes a selfie, and he's like, boom, I'm king. And like he takes all the fame and the glory, right? And, and that's what happens. And, and the thing is this, is that Jesus is the exact opposite of that. He's, he's not thinking of his own fame and his own glory, but he, he actually leads the charge and makes the most sacrifice out of anybody. Why? Because he has his people in mind, because he's a good king. Because he loves his people. And that's a king that I can follow. That's a king I can serve. And that's a king I can bow to and worship. You know, and I think about that. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty crazy thing to think about. Is that, is that a lot of times we, we neglect to realize that we, we don't worship and serve him uh, as if he is a king. I mean, maybe it's just because we live in a democratic society where we're used to just voting on things and, and getting our own way and making decisions for ourselves. But I mean... I can tell you there's no greater person to worship and to serve and bow down to than, than Jesus because he's got you in mind. You know, and, and that's a king that is worthy of being praised. And so really the question is this, is, and I'm, I'll close with this, but uh, knowing what you know now and, 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 and thinking about it, if you can determine your heart now, like, man, yeah, Jesus is a worthy king. The question is, is it, then how is your heart going to respond to that? You know, this last story right here is, is kind of just a video I saw just recently. I think it was like yesterday, actually, or maybe the day before yesterday. I don't even remember. But like, basically, there's this guy in Europe, and he's wearing this big sign. Like, it's just pretty much a billboard with straps. And, uh, and, uh, he's, and he's walking through, like, the streets of Europe. And basically, it just says, what did it say? It said, um, F the poor in huge, fat, bold, black letters. And he's walking around offering people information about, like, homelessness. And like, so everyone's walking up to this guy and they're just telling him off, like, you don't even know what they're going through. You know how much they suffer. Do you know this and that? And like, some guy walks up to him and he's like, I've been homeless for two years, blah, 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 blah. And like, the people are just walking up and telling, like, with passion too. They're just like passionate. Like, you can't say that because they're actually suffering and going through all this stuff and they're, they're educated on it. And then the next day, he goes out in the same streets with a different sign. And instead of what it said before, it says, help the poor. And then he's holding a cup and no one acknowledges him. No one even goes up to him. No one puts anything in his cup. And, and then the screen goes black. And the, word, like the words kind of come on the screen. And it says, we know you care, but what are you going to do about it? And like, it's like, I, I don't doubt that people here like, care about Jesus. I actually believe that we all here genuinely want more of him and want to live a life close to him and want to receive everything he has for us. But the question is, is sometimes the, the, the proof really is, is, is well, what, what is your heart, how is your heart going to respond what, 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 the, what action is going gonna, is gonna to pour out from this, whatever is in your heart, that, you know, the passion that you have for this thing, for, for Jesus, you know, what's going to pour out? What are you going to do about it? And I want to challenge you guys that, that you know, after this, um, 
you know, after the service and as you walk out and then go on with the rest of your life and everything that you would challenge yourself to really just look inward and be like, what, what do I place in that throne in my heart? What do I put the most worth in my life? And, and, and how do I serve that thing? And, how, and, and, and really just question yourself like, man, maybe, maybe I haven't been giving God the rightful place in that throne in my heart. And, and allow it to change the way you live. I've had to realize that being a pastor at this church is only a day job. Like, like I, 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 I try to, like, because I know who my king is and what he's worthy of, I, I'm trying to live for him in all, I believe this is just one place I have the opportunity to do what I do here. Like, I feel like my job is, a, I guess, a created being of God is to tell more people about him. This is just one place I get to do that. Like, when I go to the skate park, I try to do that. When I go to the beach, I try to do that. When I'm eating at Gomate and there's, like, a friendly couple next to me, I get to talk to them and, and I get to do that. And it's like, that's, that's what our lives should be like. And that's, I mean, you realize we use the word, like, we use the word Lord a lot. You know what I mean? Lord, like, hey, Lord, like, oh, dear Lord, like, thank you, Lord, and, 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 and Lord this and Lord that. And it's like, but do we understand what Lord means? Like, Lord is, like, someone that has lordship over something. He, you know, he, and, and, like, when we say Lord, we're saying that he's Lord over our lives. But do we, do we live that? Do we, do, can you imagine if we gave God reign over every single aspect of our life? Like, we let God rule over our finances. We let God rule over our decisions. And we let God rule over every face-to-face interaction that we have in the day. If we let God plan out our schedule through the day, you know what I mean? Like, if we just allowed, if we let God rule, be Lord over every single aspect of our lives and trust that he has the best in mind, that he does have a plan, even if we don't understand what's happening or if he does it in ways that we don't expect, that... He's, he, he's, he's doing the best that we could ever do because the, the best plan that we could ever come up with, I guarantee you God can do it some, with something better. I guarantee you that whatever we have in mind, God has something greater in mind. And uh, that's the God that I serve. That's, that's the king that I, I bow to and I serve and I worship. Is that good? So I have one question. Is Jesus worthy? You guys believe that? Right on. Well, let me just pray for you guys really quick and uh, I'll let you get on with the rest of your Palm Sunday. Lord, I just want to just lift up uh, just every single person that could just make it here on this 9 a.m. service, Lord, and uh, just the, the church family that we have here. And God, I just pray that through this time that you would just be speaking to each of us, Lord, that you would be uh, encouraging us, Lord, that this message would be one that, that, that shows us opportunities and gets us excited. Like, man, imagine what, I, what my life would be like if I allowed God to just lead and if I allowed, if I allowed myself to trust in him and believe that everything is going to work for the greater good if I just trust it and leave it in the hands of, of my King Jesus. And God, I pray that you'd continue just to partner with each of us, Lord, including myself, Lord, that we would constantly uh, find strength when we struggle uh, to keep you on that throne in our hearts, Lord, that, Lord, a lot of times it's hard. It's easy to think about, it's easy to talk about, Lord, but it's hard to just reserve that spot on our heart, Lord. And, and I don't know what it is about it, Lord, but it, it's just difficult for us and God, I just lift up each person in this room that maybe has things on that throne that they've tried to take off that throne, but it seems like it's just stuck there, Lord. It seems like it's just grasping on and it won't let go. And, and Lord, I pray that uh, you would just pour the blood of your son over uh, their lives right now, that, that sin and, and whatever else is in their life that isn't of you does not have the, the strength and the power to hold on to them, Lord, but that they can have the strength and the ability to place you on that, on that throne in their heart and, and serve you and worship you uh, and nothing else, Lord. And, God, I just uh, I lift up each of us here, Lord, and just ask that you pour your spirit upon us and allow us to just continue to grow, Lord, that uh, wherever we're at in our lives, for each of us, that we're just taking steps closer to you today.
We're just taking steps to, to be more like you and to be closer to you, Lord. And I want to say one more prayer right now. And maybe it's, uh, and, you know, I guess uh, maybe you're sitting in this, in this room and, and you're thinking, man, like that's, I've, I've never really heard a message like that. Or, or maybe you're saying like, man, I, I never really viewed Jesus like that. Or I've never really thought of serving and worshiping him and seeing him in, in that way. And you're like, man, I, that's a king I could serve. That's a king that I can follow. And that's a king I could worship. And maybe you're in this place and you're like, man, I, I want that. And you haven't had that before. Maybe, maybe you're uh, someone who, uh, maybe you've, you've, you've known God for a long time or maybe you've walked away from him or, or whatever it is and you just feel distant. And, and right now, basically what I'm, I, I want to lead you guys in a prayer just saying, God, I want to I follow you. I want to I serve you and I, wanna, I want you to be my king. And if that's you, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray in, a, in about a minute or so, and I, I'm, I'm going to count to three. And all I want you to do is just raise your hand and just make eye contact with me, and, and I'll see you, and I'll nod, and I'll acknowledge that I've seen you. And, and uh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray on your behalf that you would receive Jesus, that you would uh, begin to live your life for him, and, and you would begin to place him on that throne. And I promise you it's the best decision you'll ever make. And, Maybe it's one of those times where you're nervous and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. And it's, it's, it's one of those times where you, maybe this is a moment where you have to take faith and trust. But if you want that, I'm gonna count to three and all you have to do is just raise your hand and, and look at me and I'll, I'll see you. And then I'll pray for you. So here we go. One, two, three. Is there anyone that wants to say that prayer? Looking across the room. I see you, awesome. I see you too. Awesome. awesome. Anyone else? I'm going to continue looking across the room. If you're, if you're feeling hesitant or you just feel like a tugging on your heart, and you're like, oh, I don't know, and you're just nervous, take a chance. Just take a chance. Anyone else? Okay. So for about those three people, you guys can put your hands down. You can, uh, you know, bow your heads, and all I want you to do is just listen to these words as I pray on your behalf, and just let them take root in your heart. But Lord, I just want to thank you right now. Just thank you just, just for your son. I thank you for your sacrifice, and God, I just thank you for being a good king. I, I thank you that, that you came on that day, that you came riding on that donkey, because you came to fulfill a purpose that you came down for, Lord, and you died for my sins, and, and you sacrificed the most for me, and that's the king that I can follow, and Lord, I want to give my life to you, and I want to, I want to serve you, and I want to worship you, and Lord, I just pray that you would just partner with me in this time, that a lot of times I'm not going to have the strength to live the life that I'm called to live, but Lord, that you would strengthen me to do it, that you would bless me with the people to surround me, to encourage me, and to do those things, but God, I just ask that you would just meet with me that you would be here and I would know you're here. Lord, I love you, I praise you, and I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we, just, can we celebrate with those people right now? That's amazing. Right on.